Welcome, welcome everyone to The Enthusiast Life. I am your host, Mark Turcott, and I'm so glad each and every one of you have made me a part of your week. Well, we got a good one in store for you this week. I'm going to be telling you about a very just amazing early birthday gift that my wife and kids got me. Uh, We have some new details on a new Ghost Recon game, which looks awesome. There was a new PlayStation State of Play, so a bunch of new game reveals and trailers coming out of that. Uh, and then we're going to shift gears to some movies. I'm going to give you my review of the new Pet Cemetery that is out now. Uh, plus, we got some cool trailers that dropped, including the It Chapter 2 and The Watchmen and a little bit of Game of Thrones here at the end. So what's up, everybody? Thank you here for joining me. A little bit of housekeeping here before we get rolling, as always. Uh, don't forget you can follow me personally on Twitter, at Mark Turk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. You can email the show at theenthuselife at gmail.com. You guys know I love reading your topics and things here on the show, so send them over. Let me know. And if you don't have a topic, just send it in. I read every single email, and I just love to hear from you guys. And also, however you listen to the show, whether it's through Podbean, through iTunes, whatever it is, thank you for doing that. And if you can, please just like and subscribe it where you are and leave a review. If you can, a lot of those uh, podcast services have reviews that you can put in there. That just helps move the show up the ranking. So I want to kick the show off starting with this birthday gift that I got. And if you guys don't follow me on Twitter, you probably haven't seen this. But last week, we talked about Mortal Kombat 11. And I talked about just my history with the game and how much I used to love the game when I was a kid. And I was currently just loving MK11. Well, my son, the weekend right before, uh, had found a video on YouTube of a new arcade one-up machine that was coming out. A Mortal Kombat arcade one-up machine if you're not familiar with these machines you may have seen them if you go to like target or specifically walmart Um, they have them in their video game sections and walmart has it actually set up and they're these little tiny i say tiny i mean they're probably just about four feet tall maybe arcade cabinets they're replicas with the actual arcade controls and and around christmas time last year they put out uh there was a galaga a pac-man street fighter 2 uh, good run of games, and I had been looking at these things thinking to myself, like, man, I just, I would love to have an arcade game, and throughout the years, I've been telling my wife, like, let's get an arcade game, and every once in a while, I would check Craigslist just to see if there was something on there, you know, that, that was available for cheap, you know, that we could, <laughs> that we could grab, um, and, uh, you know, could never really find anything specifically that looked like it would be uh, of worth uh, for a good value, well, my son found they just released here in the last few weeks a Final Fight cabinet, which in itself is pretty awesome, and a Mortal Kombat cabinet that has Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 2, and Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. So we watched a video of this guy putting this thing together, and I was like, oh, God, man, like somebody's birthday is coming up pretty soon. And my wife's like, yeah, right. Like, we're not going to spend, they're 300 bucks. She's like, we're not going to spend $300 on that arcade cabinet. And I was, you know, just like, this is it. This is the machine for me. This would be amazing if we got this. Well, she happened to be at Walmart, I guess, uh, you know, a few days later there and saw one of these things because I guess they're, they're pretty hard to find right now. You couldn't even order them online. And um, kind of surprised me. I came home. Her and the kids, you know, asked me if I could go in the back of the car to get something out. Boom! There it was. The box for the Mortal Kombat combat or Mortal Kombat arcade unit. And uh, yeah, so I spent probably it took me probably about thirty minutes maybe to set the thing up. Doesn't actually take that long. You kind of gotta piece it together, almost like you're putting together like an IKEA piece of furniture. If you guys have ever done that or put together any any piece of furniture that comes in about the thinnest possible box imaginable. That's kind of how this thing goes together. But it is, believe it or not, decent quality. I mean, it looks just like the old Mortal Kombat 2 cabinet. It's got Raiden on the side. It's got the logos on it. It's got 
um, the, the actual, um, you know, where the buttons are, there's just the same exact decals and everything right there. Um, and uh, it, it was pretty simple to put together. They gave you some just easy instructions, never really stumbled over any, any bit of it. And uh, we basically spent that night playing Mortal Kombat. And pretty much every day since, I've just been playing a few matches of Mortal Kombat. And whichever one I want, again, there's Mortal Kombat 1, Mortal Kombat 2, Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. And it's just been so much fun to go back and play those games in the arcade versions. Because that's the thing. This is the arcade versions of the games, not the console version. So <laughs> that brings along with it just the straight-up difficulty that those games had. I mean, it, it's funny, you know, I, I've gone through now and, and every once in a while, you know, we pull up like on the iPad certain characters and get their moves and their fatalities. Um, but it's funny, the game has like, you'll play the first fight and you'll breeze right through it. Second fight, a little bit more of a challenge. Then you'll play that third fight and it's like, you can tell the the, the game's like, no, you're not going to win because we want you to spend more quarters. You know, they didn't change that. So the game, that third fight, second and third fight usually is pretty difficult. You'll lose. Of course, it has free play in it. There's no, you know, you're actually spending money on this arcade game. Um, but when you pay to get back in, then the fight's a little bit easier. Then that second fight's a little bit rough or could be even difficult depending on where you are on the tower. And then the third fight just brutally beats you. Go back in and it's easy. So it's it's kind of neat that it has those arcade mechanics. But for me, I mean, I have it now sitting in my office right here as I'm recording. It's right next to my desk where I have like my Xbox, my PlayStation and all that. Um but the coolest thing is just leaving it on with, uh, um, you, you know, just kind of the menu screen, I guess, if you want to say. Kind of how it scrolls through and it'll show you, you know, the logo and, and play the music. And then it'll do the, like, a quick little fight and then does all these flashes of, like, quick fatality, like, bits of fatalities in that. Uh, it's it's just an awesome, awesome collector's item, I guess, is, is the right thing to say. I mean, it's not an original cabinet, of course, but... Uh, for anybody that's a Mortal Kombat fan, it's it's great. Um, the arcade and one-up cabinets, just in general, I would say, you know, they are definitely short. Um, I was able to pull a chair up to it and play. Uh, when I was playing with my kids, we were kind of just sitting on our knees playing together. Uh, but I did get a riser for it. They sell a, an additional riser you can get made by arcade one-up. I think you can even get some aftermarket ones. Uh, but it bumps it up like a foot and a half or two feet. That makes it like the perfect arcade level. So I did actually get one of those. I went out and bought one. Um, so it is the right height. Uh, it is a little bit narrower than a regular arcade cabinet as well. So we've kind of found, especially with this, um, I was, my brother-in-law was over and we were playing that we're kind of bumping elbows, <laughs> you know, when you're playing. Um, so that, you know, that's a little bit, I would say a little knock against it. Uh, but in general, Hey, to be able to get the arcade experience out of these machines, arcade one up is just crushing it. I mean, the only thing that I could think of, I was trying to think of other games that they could bring to kind of bring that arcade feel home. And the only other thing kit basically i think that i would want that would just be it for me besides mortal kombat would be a like simpsons x-men ninja turtles combo because that's what they do they kind of put these out and there's multiple games within there um that would be the best because i don't know if you guys remember those old games like the the beat-em-ups i mean it's kind of like they put out the final fight one um but like a, a konami simpsons uh, final or not final fight, uh, turtles and X Men. Because I mean, when I was in college, we had one of those X Men machines, a four player one, in our like rec room at school. And so we used to go have lunch and then just go beat X Men, play all the way through X Men because it was free play and it was just so much fun. And that would be amazing because I've been having fun definitely playing Mortal Kombat with my kids, but of course, 
you know, I don't really have any a challenge fighting them, and I'm not going to say I'm the best Mortal Kombat player, but I don't really have anybody to challenge me in this. So uh, we've been having fun. I mean, my daughter, uh, she's she's fallen in love with Liu Kang. That was the first character that I taught her to play because his moves are easy, right? Forward, forward, low punch, forward, forward, uh, high punch, and high kick, of course, thrown in there. And in uh, MK2, you have the, the bicycle kick, you know, so you just hold down low kick, and he eventually fires it off. So she's liked him. Um, she's actually liked... Now, because she likes Mortal Kombat 3 the best. I don't know why, like if she thinks it just looks better or what it is about that that she likes. Because Luke Kang's in all the games and I'm telling her, play these other ones. He's in those. Nope, wants to play Mortal Kombat 3. Um, but she likes uh, Sindel in there because she can do her fatality. Uh, which has been pretty awesome, like being in the other room and hearing my daughter shout like, I did a fatality. You hear the machine like, fatality. It's been great just to kind of experience that or just to hear that. And she actually made it all the way in uh, MK3 to Shao Kahn. She made it to the very end. Couldn't beat him, but she made it there, uh, which was kind of neat, I thought, for her to at least get that far. Which, by the way, game's hard, man. Like, going back and playing, trying to play through these towers, it's tough. And, and I think part of that is because it is the arcade version. I mean, how often did anybody ever beat the arcade game you know it didn't happen that often in arcades i mean people would make it there a lot of times and either run out of money or of course somebody would just walk up and they would want to fight you so you're just playing two players um but it's kind of neat just you know having having this uh, at our disposal so i would recommend it if you've seen any of these arcade one-up machines and any of those games interest you they're awesome I, I know the old i say the older ones but the ones that came out in fall i've seen marked down as much is like to 150 bucks. These things, they retail at 300, uh, all the way down to like 150. The MK cabinet, if you can find it, I'm almost gonna tell you, even if you don't like Mortal Kombat, get it. Even if you don't plan to use it, because that thing right now online, the prices are out of the roof. I've seen some on eBay for seven to $800. So it is hard to come by. Like I said, I, there was only one at the store that my wife grabbed. Uh, I was kind of reading on the Arcade One Up Reddit, and it looks like, uh, one store somewhere received four of them. And actually, these are exclusive to Walmart, too. That's another uh, selling point, too. So they're only at Walmart. So if you see one, again, grab it. Uh, but the story I've seen, somebody said their store had received four. And by noon the day they released, there was just that one left that the guy got, and that was it. So um, they who knows? They could actually just be gone now. I mean, I, I don't know if there's plans to put more of them out. I sure hope there are because um, they're super cool, super, super neat. And I know there's tons of Mortal Kombat fans out there who would love to have it. Like I said, for me, uh, just right now, as I'm, as we're playing, I have the Mortal Kombat two screen on it's Baraka versus Kung Lao and just watching it kind of fight. And then it'll, you know, switch over, show the menu screen and just to have that cabinet. It looks awesome. You know, a lot of people, I guess, with those early cabinets were actually modding them and buying new joysticks and buttons and putting in, you know, uh, probably MAME emulators and things in it so they could download thousands of games or whatever, have all these arcade games, you know, which, which is cool. You know, not exactly the most legal thing to do, but it's neat to give yourself basically a multi-cade. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I would want to do that to this because it's like it's so just kind of pure in how it is. It's, it's kind of neat. Um, one other quick little just gripe I would say with this cabinet is the volume. There's uh, two volume settings you can put it on, basically, like a, a low and high. Um, Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 aren't so bad on the low, but, man, the Mortal Kombat 3 on low is still way too loud, like just ridiculously loud. I mean, we, we'll, we'll be in here in the office with the door shut, and my wife like can't stand it because it's like 
screaming through the wall. So it's very loud. I wish they, they would somehow switch that. And I saw some people online um, finding ways to adjust that, but it's kind of hacking into the circuit board and all that. And I, you know, I don't want to do any of that. So, uh, but I definitely recommend these arcade one up cabinets. Very, very cool. Again, if there's a game that you're interested in, check it out because they've, um, they've done an amazing job with these cabinets for sure. All right, well, let's talk about this new Ghost Recon game and a little bit of my history with Ghost Recon. Uh, when I first discovered Ghost Recon, that was back, uh, I want to say when Halo 2 was out because I remember being over at my buddy's house. Uh, I had a buddy uh, when I was in college, and I was actually working on, it was my final year of school. Uh, again, I'm a pharmacist, so our last year, all we did was rotation. So you would go to on-site locations, you know, hospitals, pharmacies, wherever it was, and basically work and then that was it. There was no classes. So just for a full year, you would just be on site getting your training kind of in, in the field. Um, and I had a five-week rotation at a nuclear pharmacy. And we would work overnights when I was there. And people are probably like, what the hell is a nuclear pharmacy? Well, essentially, we made radioactive medications. Specifically, the one I was at was for this uh, product that they basically inject for people to get PET scans, which are people that um, you get this if you have cancer. And it basically is a radioactive sugar they put in you to image to see if the tumors in your body or the cancer cells are still alive. I know this isn't a medical podcast, but I don't know. I just got to give you the reference for that. But anyway, so you would work overnights. Well, during the day when I probably should have been sleeping and my wife was at work, who at the time was my fiance, uh, my buddy, he was supposed to be working during the day too, but he had a job where he could just kind of like, eh, you know, goof around. He would just come home. So him and I would play Halo 2 all day. So that's why whenever I talk about my love for Halo 2, that's why. Because we would just play the heck out of Halo 2 for like 7-8 hours a day. It was the greatest, greatest thing ever, being able to do that. Uh, but in that time, I don't know why, but at some point during that 5-week period, we went to the mall. And I don't know if we were just looking for something new to play, which to me, I still don't understand. Because we were still so deep in Halo 2. But we found Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon 2 for the Xbox. And we were just like, you know, let's check this out. Looks cool. The cover looks neat, which I still have my copy here uh, in, in my office here and uh, in my collection. And uh, we brought it home. And oh, my God, it was impossible, right? The game was so realistic, so hard, especially coming from Halo 2. We're like, what is this game? But then we found there was the terrorist hunt mode or whatever, maybe elimination. I forget what it was called in that. And essentially, there was a mode in those early Ghost Recon games. And there was even it was even in Rainbow Six Vegas. Um, where you just got into a map with like four people and they would put like 50 enemies on the map and all you had to do was clear the map. But it was a big wide open space. And we just just loved it. It was like, here's this co-op game that was completely open. You can encounter, go through these encounters in any way that you wanted. It was very tactical doing that. And then the best part was you could even play this online. So him and I would go on on the same box because you could play uh, couch co-op. And go and just play with these random people. Well, what we found uh, one of our most fun, one of our favorite things to do was to go in, act like we were brand new. And, and the, I don't condone any of this, but this was like the early days of Xbox Live. So we got to get a pass on this. But we would pretend that we didn't know what we were doing and we would both equip rockets. And immediately, like when you spawn in a game, because back then, I mean, these games would take a while. You had to connect to everybody. And I want to say you might have been even able to play up to eight people. I think it was even more than four. I mean, I, I want to say it was a lot of people that you can get into these uh, online elimination matches. And um, so everybody would be spawning in, doing their loadouts. Well, him and I would immediately pick the rockets and, like, get away from the group, fire the rocket off, and just team kill everybody immediately. 
And we used to think that was the funniest thing because we would do that and be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, let's do it again. And then you'd sit there for the two, three minutes while everything loaded back up and everybody was picking their loadouts. And then immediately when we were in, we would just go back and do it again. Stupid, I know, but it was just at the time, funniest thing in the world. I mean, now nowadays, if a game like that happened or something like that happened in a video game, I would be extremely pissed. It would never even think about doing that now. But back then, it was funny. But just we just used to have so much fun playing that game. Um, you know, when I think back to those elimination matches, at one point I remember going to my old house and having two Xboxes set up in the house, and we had a, it was a basement house, and so we drilled holes in the floor to run the LAN cables underneath the floor to connect to both of these Xboxes, and I literally had eight friends over, four on one Xbox, four on the other, and we we're playing Ghost Recon. Just so much fun, man. And those games have just always... And whenever a new one comes out, I always get it. And and actually, this week with Ghost Recon Breakpoint, the new one being announced, I've been playing even some Wildlands, which I never really gave Wildlands a good enough shot. Um, I've been having a lot of fun playing with my good buddy Jaded. We've been uh, kind of diving into that and uh, played these last few days and had, had a lot of fun playing it. Um, so the, the just the series has always been my favorite you know when the division got announced i was excited for that because it has that tom clancy label but it just didn't have that or still even though i'm loving the division too still doesn't have just that ghost recon feel there's something about ghost recon that's just badass and ghost recon breakpoint to me looks like they're just bringing that if you guys have not seen the uh reveal or the trailer or the, the game i say trailer i mean there's a trailer but go watch the gameplay of them actually playing the game or i mean it's simulated of course and it has that classic ubisoft like coordination commentary which is silly um but check it out the game looks really really neat it looks really like a true ev evolution of wildlands and kind of bringing in then even some of the original ghost recon uh, gameplay mechanics in that back because that was one of the things Wildlands really changed those games by going open world sure it kind of brought in what I just talked about even you know why you don't even need a terrorist hunt mode in Wildlands because the whole map is a terrorist hunt just go in the map there's guys everywhere um, but just because it was so open and you had so many options it, it actually made it more like I remember people always kind of throwing around the term like a, a um, Grand Theft Recon where there's vehicles everywhere, you know, there's these silly situations you're getting yourself into. It didn't really, even though it was very realistic in terms of the one shot you're dead, it didn't have that, I don't know, there was just something that it lacked. Um, the story was just a mess because you can basically go in any direction and, and, and encounter it in any way that you felt. Uh, the dialogue was just horrendous, so I really hope that they find a better way to make that sound better. And when I say horrendous, it was more like every character seemed like they were the extreme stereotype of a dude bro military guy. Like it just, and I don't know if they were going for a comedic side, which doesn't really fit into Ghost Recon, or if they just really were so out of touch that it just, Wildlands just didn't feel right in that sense. Uh, but Breakpoint looks like it's going to kind of change some of that because it looks like it's going to be, even though it is open world and they are saying that it, it, it does take place um, on this new fictional island called, o o o not Aurora, but Aroa, Aroa, I think is how they were saying it, uh, which kind of looks like it's uh, kind of like a New Zealand type island because it has all different uh, biomes. You know, there's um, grasslands, there's mountains with snow and that. So you're going to kind of be going all over the place. Um, but uh, it, it's still... You know, just in terms of story content, looks like it might somewhat guide you through this story. 
Um, they're actually bringing on, uh, I can't think of his name, uh, the, the actor there from um, The Punisher. He is actually in it. His, his face is in it. They had a little thing with him, I think, afterwards, after they did the gameplay reveal, saying he was excited to be playing this character. Um, the whole story in the situation, there's like an Elon Musk-type character who created this company called the Scale Corporation, and uh, they basically create this drone technology that uses AI, and this island is where their manufacturing plant is and where they can kind of just do whatever they want. There's no laws um, based on what the, what they're creating. And um, these drones have just weapons affixed to them. And then there's some other group that is coming in called the Wolves who are kind of like the ghosts. And so they kind of have the same technology you have. It almost kind of reminded me of like how the Division 2 has the Black Tusks, which are essentially other Division type agents. So when you're fighting them, they're using the same technology that you're using. That's what these Wolves seem to be. And uh, the idea of the breakpoint is your group of ghosts is going to this uh, island for whatever reason. I don't know if you're going to see this this uh, scale person or what it is, um, but your helicopter gets shot down and the wolves are basically tasked with going out to find you and kill you. And so the whole game, you're being hunted. Usually in these games, you're the hunter, right? You're the one that's slowly going into these compounds and slowly you know, taking out enemies methodically which you're still going to be doing i mean they showed you know the the teams doing that um, but all the while you're being hunted by the wolves so I, it almost kind of reminds me and it's funny i just keep saying all these things reminding me that's what ubisoft's been doing now all their games are kind of blending into one um, but assassin's creed odyssey that whole game you're being hunted by like bounty hunters the whole game and, and so the more things you do that are not necessarily bad because there is no real good playthrough. No matter what you do, you're going to just basically increase your rank to be hunted more. But as you're murdering people and going on quests and all that within Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you're constantly basically getting bounties out on your head. And so you'll just be in the middle of a quest that could have nothing to do with anything, just kind of in the middle of the woods, and one of these bounty hunters show up and you got to fight them. And generally, it's a difficult fight. They're of your level and um, you got to take them out. And if you don't, they kill you and you're done. So that seems to be kind of the role that the wolves are going to be playing. That kind of, even though we're there to take out whatever's going on with the scale corporation, as well as you know, take out the head of the wolves, the wolves are constantly taking you down or hunting you. So looks kind of neat. Neat little twist, I think, on the Ghost Recon concept. Um, they showed some other neat little things. So the, the um, we're, I think, going to be able to use drones ourselves as well. Uh, there is going to be co-op, of course, just drop in, drop out co-op. These games always have those. Um, there is a uh, neat little new mechanic when it comes to um, uh, stealth and like camo. It actually shows the character at one point lay down in the mud and they kind of roll around in the mud. And so they're on the ground. It kind of reminded me of the old Call of Duty 4 sniper mission where you're kind of wearing the ghillie suit. So it's like that. But this is just on the scene. There's mud. I'm just going to cover myself in mud and blend in with the mud. Uh, kind of neat that you're going to be able to use the actual environment to do that. So again, adding more just tactical sense to Ghost Recon. I thought that was kind of neat. Uh, and then also, even when you um, are just going down hills and going up hills, they said it's going to be a little bit more difficult. In Wildlands, you would kind of slide and stumble a little bit, but it didn't actually affect your controls. Um, and this just seems like it's going to, to the point where you'll literally fall down <laughs> like a hill because you'll slide so much in the dirt, your, your character will slip. Uh, or even climbing rocks. Like in Wildlands, you could, I mean, you were like, it was almost like you were playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. You're just climbing rocks like nothing. This looks like you're going to be somewhat limited a little bit uh, to what you can do. You can also be injured. So if you get shot in the foot, your character will limp and it will slow you down. 
Um, so there is definitely going to be that aspect to it, almost like a survival type aspect to it, which Ghost Recon's never really had that. I mean, you'd get shot twice, you could hide and just heal back up, and it's like, uh, how's that happening? Um, so that's going to be uh, an aspect too. And there's going to be almost like campfires and like a Dark Souls type game where to heal up. So you get shot in the foot. The only way to heal yourself is to use a healing item that you're going to have to use at these locations. Uh, so it's putting that survival edge to the game. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that works in a Ghost Recon game. Does that get to be... Uh, see, to me, sometimes those survival aspects can be a hassle and not fun. So we'll see how it kind of plays out. But overall, super impressed with this game. I can't wait. It's coming out uh, October... What is it? Uh, sometime in October. It's coming out October 7th or somewhere around there. Uh, which I think is smart to drop the game, of course. Um, not... Uh, in September with Borderlands, because that's going to be a rough time. I think any game coming out in September, Borderlands 3 is going to be huge. Um, so you got to try to stay away from that. Uh, but I think Breakpoint is going to be my shooter for the fall. I say that, not, and I'm not counting Borderlands in that, because Borderlands just being more co-op. But uh, just more my tactical. Usually, you know, I'm always in on Call of Duty. I say every year I'm not going to buy Call of Duty. Chances are I probably will buy Call of Duty, because my son and I love playing through those. Uh, but I don't really see myself. I'm trying to think of what other shooters. I mean, of course, Destiny, we don't know what they're doing. Uh, but I think Breakpoint is the game I'm most excited for. They're going to show more at E3, I'm sure. So they, Ubisoft always has their press conference. So we'll get more out of it there. Um, but uh, I'm stoked. Can't wait. Oh, and the other interesting piece is I, I mentioned co-op. They're actually bringing raids to Ghost Recon, which, which is just a, a crazy thing to think about. Like, how are raids going to work in Ghost Recon? I think I think raids have just become this term that... Now, if you're putting out a shooter that somewhat has some sort of um, investment system, like companies just feel like they need to put a raid in it because Destiny and Bungie, you know, Bungie has done that. And so Division now is going to have a raid. Ghost Recon, going to have a raid. Like, it's just like they've they've taken these difficult missions now and just plaster on raid to it. And you, you can't be a game coming out now unless you have a raid. Not going to surprise me if Borderlands 3 has raids too. So we'll, we'll see. But I, hey, you know, whatever. I, I don't know if a Ghost Recon raid would have the same type of mechanics that a regular raid would have. And here it's only four, it's four player co-op. So they didn't mention it expanding out to like eight players or 10 players or whatever. So uh, it might be more of a, a nice little tight, con, you know, concise little raid, which I think could be kind of neat. And uh, if it's anything like Wildlands, Wildlands was more about just going around and kind of getting... Um, more skill points and basically just maxing out your character because I had skill trees. Uh, in this, you're actually going to have classes. So you'll pick your class and each class will have certain abilities in that. So, you know, it may end up the end game just being just playing specific classes and maxing out the different classes uh, within, you know, that, that skill tree and then, you know, switching over to another class and maxing out that class. Um, so I don't know. Again, super stoked. think it looks great. There's a beta that's going to be running. I think you got to pre-order the game uh, to get access to that. And uh, I don't know what platform I'm going to play it on. Like, I would love to play it on the PC. But my PC, it, it, I mean, it runs the Division the Division 2 great. Uh, but some games, like if I try to run Battlefront 2, I kind of got to run that on a little bit lower settings. Um, I can get the resolution, but it just doesn't run smooth when I run it up on high. So I'm interested just to see what that beta would run like on my PC. Because if it doesn't run good there, then I'll probably go on the Xbox One X. Um, but you know, who knows too, what we're going to get revealed. I mean, could, could this be a Stadia game? Could this be a Google Stadia game, right? That you would want to play? I don't know. Uh, but chances are I'll probably be playing this thing on Xbox. Um, cause that's the, like right now my PlayStation, I love playing my games on there. And that's where a lot of my community are. Cause I had switched over when destiny came out. The original destiny came out from Xbox to that. 
but man, my PlayStation just screams. Like it, it's a fan in that thing. Like playing Mortal Kombat 11, play the game, the cutscenes. You, you know, you can hear that it's on a little bit of fan. The minute a match starts, man, that thing just cranks up, and it's it's annoying. Like I mean, I usually wear play now a lot with my headphones on, but you can still sometimes hear it when there's quiet. And uh, it's it's just annoying. So I, I, any game that I could play, I play on my Xbox. What chances are? I mean, Xbox One X is the more powerful system. So most games like Red Dead Two ran better there. Uh, even Anthem runs better there uh, than the PlayStation. So it's kind of my go-to console now for a lot of these games. Um, unless it's going to be a very uh, community-driven game, and I know the people that I generally play like would play Destiny with would be playing it. Uh, but as far as I know, there's only one guy, my buddy Jaded, who's going to be playing this game, and, and uh, him and I play on both. So chances are I'll be playing this on the Xbox One X. All right, well, before we move on, let's go ahead and thank our sponsor, GamerGoo. That's right, GamerGoo is an antiperspirant for your hands that helps you just not have those sweaty matches. Well, maybe they don't help you necessarily not have those sweaty matches, but they'll help you not have sweaty hands for those sweaty matches. GamerGoo, you apply it onto your hands. Stuff lasts up to four hours. And uh, it's awesome. Like I said, I use this now all the time when I'm gaming. It's kind of become part of my my ritual. Um, they have three great scents for you. There's uh, cinnamon, peppermint, and orange. Cinnamon is my favorite. I put this on all the time. I mean, literally now my office smells like cinnamon. Uh, my kids are just like, Dad, why does the office smell like cinnamon? Of course, it's GamerGoo. If you're interested in getting it, go over to GamerGoo.com. You can use my code TEL, that's T-E-L, as in The Enthusiast Life. You can find that down in the show notes. You can save yourself 10% off any order over there. And uh, you can also check out a free trial, so don't just take my word for it. Go over to GamerGoo.com, check out the trial. They'll send you three samples, see which one you like, and then uh, go go to the website, use the code TELL, save yourself 10% off, and get some GamerGoo sent to you. Now, like I've said before, it's a great gift. If you're looking for just a, a cool, neat gift for a gamer in your life, whether it's a family member or a friend, very neat. I think they would absolutely love to have this. Because uh, it's something neat, right? I don't, I don't even know, you know, how many people really know about GamerGoo. And, and again, it's something that I use. That's why I'm helping promote this and get it out there. Because it's something that I think a lot of gamers could definitely utilize and would definitely like. So again, go to GamerGoo.com. Use my code TEL, T-E-L. Save yourself 10% off your order. And uh, again, I recommend the cinnamon. I'm a big cinnamon fan. But the orange is pretty good too. So check out the orange. And uh, if you're not sure which one you want... You can get a free sample. Go to GamerGoo.com, sign up over there. They'll send it out to you. And again, if you want to purchase it, use my code TEL, T-E-L, and save yourself 10% off your order today. Let's continue on the video games tip and talk about the latest Sony State of Play, which, you know what, I think Nintendo has just kind of capitalized on the direct. Like, they've made that a term. Like, when you think of the term rollerblades, rollerblades is actually a company. People call them rollerblades. They're really inline skates. But people just call them rollerblades. This state of play, I just want to keep calling it Sony's Direct. I think Direct is just the term for the short, like, video game, you know, 10, 15, sometimes 20 minute, just reveals of these things. I'm going to call it the Sony Direct. I know they don't want to hear that, but it it really is a Sony state of play. Uh, But the latest one happened here was a quick 10 minute one. Um, Nothing huge coming from this. Nothing that I'm necessarily super excited for. Uh, but uh, it's cool they're doing this. I think it's, it's smart for them to kind of do that Nintendo route. I mean, Nintendo, again, can control the conversation. And what they showed here, uh, there's a couple somewhat big things that some people got excited for. But these are great things to kind of show when you have 
the time where they could be highlighted, right? If you showed what they showed here at like a big E3 press conference, some of this stuff might just kind of get lost in the mix. So by doing it on just a random day throughout the week, people are focused on it and can see this. Now, actually, I say that, but it was literally the same day as the Ghost Recon Breakpoint uh, reveal, which really took over most of the day. And, and this kind of tried to, and it just unfortunately could not, but Breakpoint really uh, kind of took all that. But uh, I think the biggest thing coming out of it and kind of how they ended the presentation was they showed a new trailer for the Final Fantasy VII Remake, um, which we haven't seen anything on this for a long time. I'm trying to think. It was probably, what, two, three E3s ago. I'm trying to say that at multiple times two or three e3s ago is when they announced that this was being made and people lost their minds um well we got a um nice uh, cinematic i guess for it they showed a some couple clips in there what looked to be like gameplay uh but of course we got to see the classic characters i mean cloud was on there we got to see some other members of the of avalanche uh kind of infiltrating that beginning uh, plant in the very beginning of the game, if you if you've ever played Final Fantasy VII, uh, where they're basically bombing um, that plant kind of in the city, uh, looks cool. You know, I, I don't know how excited I could really get for this. Um, Final Fantasy VII is a game that I've never played all the way through, and and honestly, I didn't own an original PlayStation, right? Believe it or not, I'm saying that. I've never owned an original PlayStation. So I played Final Fantasy VII on the PC. They actually released a PC version with, it was like six or seven discs, you know, to install on your computer. Um, so that's where I played it. And I uh, never made it through the whole game. And part of me has been very tempted to go to the new Switch versions. Uh, the Nintendo's put out, I think seven and nine are on there. I don't, I don't think eight is yet. Um, and 10, I think might be on there. And they are kind of, Basically, and they're not really remasters. I mean, I think they are to some extent um, because they, there are some new things kind of put in there, but it's the same games, um, the old versions of the games, but they've put in like certain modes where you can just like max out everybody or immediately give yourself health or make it two to three times the speed so battles happen much quicker. So it seems like for me to play through these games just to get the story would be neat. So like I've actually been very tempted to either grab nine or seven on the Switch to have it number one on Switch, just the mobile version, but to be able to kind of play through it in that way. Because from what I can remember of even even seven was, you know, you get to that point where you just kind of hit that wall and you got to grind a little bit. And, you know, those older JRPGs have that. And uh, being able to just kind of max out all my limit breaks and all those things where you could just kind of breeze through battles, enjoy the story and kind of just go along for the ride casually rather than having to worry about following a guide or anything like that. Uh, seems more appealing in, in my my concern with this is that this is a remake and they're going back to that old style. You know, I know obviously it's being fully remastered and there's going to be, I'm sure, some quality of life type things. I mean, I would almost imagine they would do something like um, the Zelda games on the 3DS did where they put those little, like, uh, you know, when they put out Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, they had these systems in there where if you got lost, you could kind of go and it would tell you kind of where to go and what to do. Um, so it really just made it more user friendly and where people can kind of go along through and have fun, but still, still give you the challenge. Cause you still had, you know, and that there was no infinite health or anything like that. Um, I hope there's at least something like that in this remake. Uh, but for me, I think I would be more, I'm more drawn to this kind of remaster than this remake. Uh, but I'm sure people who have nostalgia for this, this is probably right up your alley and probably something you're definitely looking forward to. Um, no no uh, release date or anything shown, but they did say they're going to show more, of course, at E3. So we're right around the corner from that. I mean, as we're recording this, I think we're less than a month away. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that. And actually, speaking of that, just my E3 show, my plan is to do what we did last year 
with the Enthusiast Lifer. I got my good buddy Derek, who is the uh, editor in chief of Game Insider Magazine, uh, to get him on the show. I don't, I haven't talked to him yet. I don't know if he's going. I know he went last year, uh, but to get him hopefully on the show and maybe even uh, get like another special guest here on the show as well, just kind of break down all of E3 because I am not going to E3. It's been a long time since I've been. I haven't been actually since. 24 no 2013 i think was that yeah i think that was the last e3 i went i was on a run man i went six years in a row haven't been in a while and you know now that i'm doing this show maybe there would be a reason for me to go again um but uh just kind of you know where i am in life right now and i don't know if it's uh worth me going to e3 you know kind of just being the guy who talks about just enthusiastically about video games and sure i'm all up on the video game news but uh i don't know so we'll see we'll see what uh who, who i'll get on the show here and we'll, we'll have some good talks for sure uh, about it. Um, let's see what else did they show. They showed a uh, new trailer for Monster Hunter World, this new Monster Hunter World expansion, Iceborne, um, which uh, looks fantastic. I don't know if any of you have played Monster Hunter World. It's actually currently on uh, Xbox Game Pass. So if you have not, uh, if you're a fierce subscriber to Game Pass and have not played Monster Hunter World, highly recommend you go check it out. Um, the game is uh, super, super fun. It is a game that you do need to, um, I want to say, kind of invest yourself in just a little bit to some extent. You do need to learn um, how to play it. When I say that, that sounds kind of weird to people, but it's almost like a Dark Souls type thing where like the combat is a little bit more involved. Um, and the way Monster Hunter World works is, and really all the Monster Hunter games, there are multiple weapons and you basically have to learn your weapon. Um, but the game is super fun. I mean, you're going out there and I recommend you always play in co-op because that's what I did. I would always basically match up with some other people and, you know, seeing all the characters come together to tackle these just massive monsters. Um, it really becomes a, a great hobby game where you're going out, you're killing monsters to get loot from the monsters. And when I say loot, it's not that you're getting weapons or armor. You're actually getting pieces of the monsters to bring back to craft the weapons and the armor pieces that you want. And so you're kind of rerunning these missions, tackling the same monsters kind of over and over, um, hoping to get, you know, four pelts, three horns or whatever it is to build what, what it is that you're, you're basically focused on at the moment. Um, but it's a lot of fun. It's very exhilarating. I mean, you know, when you're in these in the heat of battle, you're on your toes the whole time. You need to be just in it and be active and, and dodging and, and grabbing onto the enemies. And you're using potions and things like that to stun them. Traps. Uh, lots of fun. Iceborne looks like, of course, it's just going to carry that forward even more. It's in a whole new setting, so it's neat to see the snow. Uh, graphically, these games, or especially Monster Hunter World, um, is just awesome. Um, especially on uh, the PlayStation Pro or on the Xbox One X. I mean, they, they just take it to the next level. Um, and Iceborne is going to be no exception. I'm sure even just in general, the game has been pushed a little bit harder here now, probably optimized a little bit more. Um, and, uh, hey, being able to tackle these new monsters. I, I don't know the names of the monsters. I'm sure if people are real big into Monster Hunter, they could look at these beasts and, and know exactly who they are. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I don't know though, if I'm going to be in right away, this is something that I would like to get into at some point. Cause I fell off monster hunter about a month after it came out, something took its place. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, actually, you know what? I do know what it was. I think it was, um, God of war, God of war came out shortly. What was that? March when God of war came out or April and uh, monster hunter world was like the end of January. So for, kind of for that little gap, man, I was deep into monster hunter and then God of war came out and just <laughs> everything got thrown out the window. Um, and I just have not gone back to it. But Iceborne comes out September 6th. And what did I just say a little while ago? Borderlands 3 comes out around there. So I think that's actually going to hurt this expansion to some extent. I mean, obviously, very different games, at least in terms of gameplay. 
Um, but in terms of the gameplay loop, somewhat similar because they become hobbies for you. You're kind of grinding out there, getting better loot, building your character. Um, I think if somebody is into the Monster Hunter series, obviously you're going to be into this. You know, if you're a hardcore Monster Hunter player, you're going to get this and not Borderlands. But I think for the casual people like myself who kind of use Monster Hunter as a replacement to fill in a gap in like a Destiny drought, you know, where there wasn't new content or because I because if you think about it, when that original game came out, for those that um, are destined up on Destiny, Curse of Osiris had come out in December for uh, Destiny 2, wasn't exactly a huge hit. So when Monster Hunter came out, people were just like, yes, let's jump into Monster Hunter. And everybody kind of drifted over to that. Um, a lot of those players, I think, would go Borderlands first before you would go to an expansion for this. So, um, I don't know. Well, we'll see. You know, I, I think in the end it's going to be great. So I think a lot of people, if you're a fan of it, I think you'll be into it. Uh, at some point, I would see myself probably getting into it, but uh, not not uh, right away for sure. Uh, one of the surprise games that Sony showed was this uh, new Predator game called Predator Hunting Grounds. And it uh, looks like it's an exclusive game exclusively to the PlayStation. It's actually coming from uh, Sony Wy- Sony Worldwide Studios. I mean, they're not actually the developer, but they're kind of the, the publisher. Uh, they're, they're kind of a pretty big umbrella uh, there for that, but uh, it looks to be somewhat like uh, the Friday the 13th game, and that's because it's actually the same company. Ilphonic is making this game. It's kind of this asymmetrical multiplayer game where you're going to have one person, it appears, playing the Predator and four players kind of in the woods trying to tackle the, pre- the Predator in this you know dense jungle. Um, we see the Predator at one point just kind of hitting, hidden using its uh, cloaking technology, um, kind of hidden up in the trees. So it could be very neat. Uh, if you played the Friday the 13th game, you kind of know what that style is where one person would play Jason. Uh, the other four people were counselors and uh, you basically had to escape and Jason was out there hunting you. And that seems to be what this is. Someone's going to be the predator hunting down everybody else. Uh, pretty neat. You know, I think that they're doing that. And, you know, good for Ilphonic. If you remember the Friday the 13th game was actually a kickstarted game. So the fact that Sony has come to them and said, hey, let us publish your game and, and make a similar game, but do it in this style. Very neat. I mean, think about just kind of the trend that they're doing. This isn't really a sequel to Friday the 13th, but in some sense it is, right? Like it's a spiritual successor. So we got Friday the 13th. Now we got the Predator. What else could they do? Could you do like a Nightmare on Elm Street game where someone plays Freddy? Could you do a Halloween game where someone plays Mike Myers? I mean, the the if Ilphonic continues on this route, I think that would be so cool if they're able to get licenses for all these old um, you know, IPs and just put them into this genre and it's a way for them to make sequels to those games but not necessarily the same game. You know, there's never going to be a Friday the 13th the game 2. Predator Hunting Grounds is that. I think that's really neat. Uh, says the game's not coming until 2020, so we do have some time. Um, I th- Personally, I think it would be really neat if this game became a PlayStation Plus game because then um, immediately you would have a huge population of people playing it, and then if they just sold cosmetics kind of in the game, I think that would be pretty neat. Um, wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that. I think that would be a, a smart idea. Uh, Friday the 13th hit PlayStation Plus at some point, uh, but it did release first. Uh, at retail or of course for the kickstarter backers um, and that game's evolved a lot you know a lot of people who i have a, a friend who plays it like consistently with a group of people and they love it um, i've only played it a handful of times but uh you know i think that's uh, pretty neat uh let's see another game that they revealed was this game called away the the survival series and uh i, I don't know what kind of character i guess it's a sugar glider you're playing in this i'm, I'm looking at it right now it's it's a little animal and essentially it's a survival game of you trying to survive 
um, within the woods and it's like all humanity is gone. You're playing this little character. You're, you're kind of just, I you probably got to eat. You got to, you know, sleep, but every other animal is out to get you. So it reminds me if you guys have ever played the game or seen the game, Tokyo jungle, that was a game that came to, I think it was the PlayStation three. That was, I don't, I don't think that was on PlayStation four where you would play like animals within an, an abandoned Tokyo and you, it was survival. So there were different dogs in that, that you played and uh, that's kind of what this looks like. Um, they're saying that it was uh, inspired by nature documentaries. And uh, I guess at one point it was only announced for the PC, but it now is coming ex- uh, console exclusively to uh, the PlayStation. Uh, looks like it could be kind of neat. You know, a neat little take on just the survival series, playing an animal, you know, the sugar glider. Now, whether or not you can play other other animals, I don't know. Um, but you know, there's going to be little boss fights. You see a, like a giant tarantula that the sugar glider comes up against, uh, could be pretty intense. You know, it seems like one of those games that you would, that it's a, a survival game, but almost like a horror because you know, you're, you're just this little creature and the laws of nature survival of the fittest and a sugar glider is not exactly the fittest when it comes to <laughs> some other animals that could be out there. So, uh, that might be a kind of a neat a neat game out there. Uh, a couple other things they announced here: the um, the medieval remake, which uh, if you played that old game back in the day on PlayStation, uh, that is coming out October 25th. You know they're they're doing that now, like Spyro, that remake they put out. Uh, Ratchet and Clank, of course, was very very cool. Um, so you know I don't know how many pe- people medieval is going to draw to it, uh, but I think the timing's great. October 25th, kind of like a Halloween type game, and I'm sure a lot of kids would discover this game if they've if you know, they've never played it. I think it'd be great to buy for a, a young person you have in your house may enjoy playing it, especially around that time. It's kind of neat. Um, and, uh, a new game, they showed this four player co-op game called river bond, um, which looked kind of neat. Uh, to me, it had uh, shovel Knight is in it. Uh, the kid from bastion is in it. It's kind of like this crossover. I mean, even, uh, what's his name from guacamelee is in it. Um, kind of a neat looking game. Just said it's coming this summer. Um, that was again, another game that looked to me like it would be a perfect PlayStation plus game for them to put out, get people jumping in. Uh, but looks neat, kind of like a top down type type style game. So kind of up my alley. I, I love those style of games and, uh, having the four player co-op, I think would be awesome. So again, Sony state of play, nothing mind boggling here. No huge, huge reveals. I mean, we know they're not going to be at E3 in any presence. Um, and they've currently not announced whether or not they're doing a state of play during the week of E3. I mean, I would think that they are, uh, but who knows? This could be the last time they put anything out. But I mean, with, with so all the things kind of rumored to be going on and things that we know, like Last of Us 2, why have we not seen Last of Us 2? I mean, a lot of people thinking it could be a cross-generational game uh, with the PlayStation 5, but you would think they would at least want to be out there showing something and take at least a little bit of the thunder away from Nintendo and Microsoft and hell, even Google. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if we get a state of play during the week of E3, but who knows? As of right now, Nothing scheduled. This this is what we got. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit away from video games and get now into some movies. And uh, this past week, we got to see Pet Cemetery. My wife and I went and saw this movie. Uh, back in the day, Pet Cemetery was uh, one of the scariest movies I had ever seen when I was a kid. You know, when you're a, a eight or nine year old and you're watching Pet Cemetery when you shouldn't be. Uh, yeah, it scares the hell out of you. I remember being nauseous. I remember going to a friend's house and sleeping over and they... I don't know, his brother or whoever had rented it from the video store and was watching it. And I, I had to call my parents to go home. <laughs> I remember like being not necessarily so scared, but I just remember being sick to my stomach. Like 
in the beginning when the kid gets hit by the car and half his head is hanging off and then the sister having the disease, like just being all freaky, just being scared to death and just, yeah, having to go home. And so throughout the years, I've always just kind of remembered that about this movie, but it's always been a movie that I've loved, you know, that's just been near and dear to my heart. I've seen it countless times, almost every Halloween, you know, or month of October, my wife and I kind of go through the huge catalog of just old school horror movies. And this is one we watch every single year. And so I've always loved that original movie. And um, so when I heard they were announcing or they were releasing this new Pet Cemetery, I was definitely on board like, man, I want to see that. So we have a a budget theater here and uh, they were showing it. So we just happened to get some time. We went and saw it. And um, I'll say this, they've taken some, put some new twists on the story. And and I'm not really going to spoil anything here, but you all know kind of how Pet Cemetery works, right? There's a cemetery where anything that's dead and you bury there comes back to life. And it's not necessarily the pet cemetery, but beyond the pet cemetery, there's these, you know, Native American burial grounds or whatever it is that's back there. And anything you bury there comes back to life. And of course, the cat is the one thing everybody knows. Church the cat comes back to life. They've kept Church the cat in there. They still have the same story of a family moving to this small town. Uh, But they've added an extra child for the family. So there's a daughter in the family. And the one who gets killed in this one is a little bit different than what you think. And and the way the movie ends, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Now, granted, I'm going to say I've never read the book. So I don't know how much the book, like how drastic The Shining and Stanley Kubrick kind of changed the, sh- the original Shining movie from the book was very drastic. Totally, totally changed the way things happen in that movie. Um, and so I don't know if... Uh, this is, and I'm actually, I'm kind of reading right now. The thing says, um, that there were definitely changes between the film and the book. Um, and some people are actually saying it's better than the 89 adaptation, but, um, you know, I, I don't know it, maybe, maybe for me, because I've never read the book and just, I know that original movie, that's my pet cemetery and this, because it's so different than that. I don't like it. I mean, it still has a lot of the same story beats and, and, you know, in the first 30, 40 minutes, I I was on board. Like my wife and I, I mean, you're engaged in it, but then like there comes a point and the movie just, it's like a race to the finish. I mean, if I had any gripe about it, that I think is what it is. I mean, the movie was maybe an hour 35. And so it just seemed like it moved too fast. Like we needed some more in there. Like it just gets to the point where, you know, once you find out and, and, and I mean, obviously you, you kind of know what happens, especially because church dies, not, not necessarily early on, but once, once he happens, you got a little bit of time and then it's just like, bam, like this stuff just starts flying and then it just races to the end and you're kind of lost in it. I mean, I think the saving grace of the movie for me really was John Lithgow plays kind of the old man, the neighbor in the movie and his performance was fantastic i've never seen john lithgow play a character like this when i think of him i think like 30 rock from the sun or kind of just these goofy characters uh harry and the hendersons you know that that type of type of john lithgow i don't picture him as the just kind of disgruntled um war-torn seasoned old man and you see him like that in this movie and that really was probably the best part of the movie for me like seeing just him in in a character like that um, but you know, I, I'd recommend maybe it, it's a rental, right? I mean, by, by the time Halloween comes around, this will be out on, on digital and I'm sure all the platforms and who knows, probably going to, you know, HBO or one of those things by that point. Um, check it out if you're, if you're looking for a, a scary movie, but I, I will say don't go in expecting anything, uh, above and beyond the original, 
um, because for me, the original still, I think, is better. I, I even think the original, even still today, would be creepier and holds up more than this one would. You know, a lot of times you go back to those older horror movies, and they're just not scary, right? They're almost more corny. Um, this one still, or, or the original, to me, still can be scary at times. I'm sure it's a little bit silly when, uh, you know, the, the young boy is slashing, is coming at his dad with a scalpel. Um, but it still was is creepier. This one... I don't know. So, uh, you know, if I was going on a, on a star of uh, out of five, five stars, I'd give it maybe a two, two out of five. Uh, but hey, it's a cool horror movie. Go check it out. Horror movies are horror movies. So Halloween time, give it a rental for sure. Uh, but speaking of horror movies that I thought were fantastic, uh, and that was the remake of It. I absolutely loved that movie. And we got a trailer this week for It Chapter 2. If you've not seen that last It definitely go see that bill skarsgård as pennywise was creepy as hell and i do have nostalgia for that original it too i remember when it was on tv kind of as that tv run and you go back and watch it now pretty corny uh but this really brought the horror to to it man like that original it i mean my wife and i saw it in theaters and it was it was scary as hell um but the it chapter two trailer has dropped this week definitely go watch it um, if you're not familiar with kind of what they're doing with it, the original it and even the book had basically two different time frames. They were kids and adults and it kind of went back and forth. What they've done with the films, these new films is the original movie was just them as kids. The second movie here, chapter two is them as adults 27 years later with of course the, the horror of Pennywise coming back. Um, and it kind of opens with just a, a very, disturbing scene i mean jessica chastain is in there and you know you're seeing her meet this old lady living in the house it's the same or apartment i don't know what it is it's the same place where she lived in the first one and something's not right about this old woman and it almost kind of reminded me gave me the village vibes if you, or not the village um the visit if you haven't seen the visit that's kind of what it reminded me of just that old lady just being all creepy and and clearly she's pennywise showing herself as the old woman to to Jessica Chastain. Uh, but then it quickly goes through a bunch of different shots of, you know, action, things happening. Um, but the biggest thing for me was not only that Jessica Chastain is in it, but James McAvoy is in it. You know, the guy who plays uh, in Split, um, which James McAvoy, man, he's become one of my favorite actors, especially after Split and the performance that he gives in that. So just knowing he's in this brings a lot of just cred to this film. And even Bill Hader is in it. Bill Hader from uh, Saturday Night Live fame. Um, he's in it, which I think is awesome. So the whole cast just looks awesome. Of course, Bill Skarsgård is reprising his role as Pennywise. Um, super excited. Games uh, or the movie's coming out. Uh, when was this? Was it? Uh, I'm trying to look for the day here. Crap, I just had it up. Um, is it uh, June? The movie's coming out. October. I don't. Know. It's coming out very soon. Actually, it's it's a little bit sooner than I thought it was going to be. Um, so I don't know. Movie looks awesome. If you haven't seen the first one, go see it. Uh, this movie is just going to be scary as hell i'm sure yeah i can't wait my wife and i can't wait september yeah it's coming out september um so perfect time right before halloween kind of get that that fear in i'm sure we're gonna see the whole just you know swarm of red balloons all over our uh, neighborhood actually someone was going around putting red balloons into the sewer grates and people were pissed super pissed i mean number one your kids shouldn't know what the balloon means so i was kind of like ah, that's kind of funny but yeah, people were doing that, and so I'm sure we're going to see that all again happening. And uh, I know it's scary, and people shouldn't be doing it, but it's kind of neat just to see people kind of bringing this this horror thing uh, to, to life for real. So uh, let's see. There was a trailer for the new Watchmen series coming to HBO, 
which I had heard for a while that this was in, in production, but didn't really know when it was going to be coming out. Uh, but if you're not familiar, of course, The Watchmen, uh, many people, their first experience with The Watchmen was the film that came out, I, I probably, what now, seven, eight years ago. Uh, but, you know, for many others, it is, a sport, of course, that graphic novel uh, that was released and uh, created by uh, Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons back in the 80s and uh, focused on, I, th- I think they were actually tasked by DC to make kind of a mature um, book featuring the DC heroes kind of like later in life and kind of washed up and DC didn't want them actually using like Batman and that. So they basically created their own heroes and, and they basically became the Watchmen. And um, the book is a, a very neat timepiece where it was during the Cold War. So it focuses a lot on kind of that doomsday clock and the, the potential for the end of the the world. And it features these these heroes kind of later in life kind of washed up and the, the book and, and even the original movie kind of opens with one of them getting killed and it becomes like this murder mystery almost of who's killing them and all these heroes kind of coming back into their roles. Well, the series looks like it's definitely going to be a departure from that. You know, we, we do see Rorschach, who have many of you have seen, he's kind of the guy that wears that white um, kind of sack over his head with a Rorschach, you know, kind of the ink blot on his face. Um, something's happening with with just him or his his look in general. There seems to be a cult of some kind or a group of people who are kind of idolizing him. So you're seeing a lot of people wearing that Rorschach mask kind of throughout um, the trailer. Um, not really sure if Rorschach himself is going to be in it. What I'm looking at right now is kind of the casting, and I don't see anybody playing Rorschach, uh, but I see uh, like Marionette. Mime is in there, Red Scare, Looking Glass, um, you know, some some of these other characters that aren't necessarily the Watchmen characters that we know, um, but I, I'll be honest, I haven't really followed too much as to the direction that this is going um, in terms of, like, the, the premise, uh, whether it's before or after the events of Watchmen. I mean, my guess is probably it's after, and maybe they're kind of idolizing those characters, and maybe at some point we'll get them coming back in, uh, but... but um, you know, each episode is going to be like an hour long and I'm sure it's going to have kind of that same tone of, uh, of that original series. So it's I'm definitely stoked, definitely excited for this. And it's coming, um, sooner rather than later. I mean, I thought this was going to be coming, you know, years down the line, it's fall 2019. So this is going to be kind of, I think everybody's new fall HBO show, right? This is going to be the new show that everybody's going to be watching. So I'm looking forward to it and I'm sure we'll get some more details. I'm, I'm assuming probably like Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con, I'm sure there'll be a Watchmen panel, and uh, we'll get a lot more details, and I'll definitely be talking about that here on the show, because this is definitely a highly anticipated show uh, for myself. But go watch the trailer, it's out there. Um, Speaking of HBO shows, I'm going to wrap it up here on this topic, uh, and that is Game of Thrones. It's coming to an end. Episode 5 just happened this past week. And, uh, you know, with Game of Thrones going away, hey, maybe people are going to start watching The Watchmen. Maybe that'll become our new Game of Thrones show. I doubt it will because Game of Thrones is just so freaking epic. And I know, you know, this season has been very divisive. Here we are five episodes in. We literally have one episode left. And this past episode, no spoilers. I mean, a few weeks back, we had just an amazing episode in terms of production value and what they were able to capture on screen, especially on the little screen, you know, a a television screen and not on a movie screen. But this past episode basically just flipped everything on its head. Anything people thought they knew, although there's people out there saying like, oh, I knew this was coming. This was being, you know, kind of uh, told to us, telegraphed to us kind of throughout, you know, the seasons. Come on, you didn't know that they were going to put this twist on the end. And the fact that they're doing it now with one episode left, 
I don't, I don't know how you could do this. Why, why are we like kind of setting basically the state of the, I don't want to say the state of the world, but the state of the relationships of these characters we've been following for so long. Someone has taken a turn and it is a turn that I did not expect at all. Cause I thought her, the, I say her and that's kind of giving it away, but the values of this character and, and her motivations throughout all the seasons have really been one of just, and, and, and of being very, you know, just helping people and all that. And she did the complete opposite in this episode. And I don't know where they go from here, especially with one episode to wrap it all up. I mean, are you kidding me? <sighs> so Game of Thrones coming to an end. I'm not mad. Look, that's the thing. See, I, I say people are mad and upset online. I'm not mad. I mean, I'm here for the ride. I'm just, I'm shocked. I was shocked, but that's why I love the show is there's always shocking things, shocking deaths, turns that these characters take, and man, they they really put one on the audience this week, um, but it was an epic episode. I mean, a lot of people have been saying, you know, that episode a few weeks ago with just, again, the huge production value, the just ridiculous battle that happened on there was the best thing ever. This episode to me with what happened with this character and the thing that she did it with was amazing just wow incredible this to me was my favorite episode the season and one of my favorite episodes ever i mean it was epic this to me was better than that other episode honestly and and again i said i think maybe that other episode was not as great because i think avengers endgame came out that same week so it didn't seem as good to me uh, but this one was just there was so much drama happening so much action just man i was all in so but very interested to see where it goes and uh, Game of Thrones ending. So we'll definitely be talking about Game of Thrones next week um, because it's it's pretty, um, it's it's one of those series, man. It's like Sopranos where it's it's been groundbreaking or lost. Just groundbreaking in television. And things like the, the day that first episode aired of this show, you knew things changed. And, and Game of Thrones is one of those shows. Like Sopranos was the same way. Lost was the same way. This is one of those shows. It has changed television in terms of not only just production value, but now like streaming. Because if you think about it, I mean, obviously shows are out there for streaming. And yes, Game of Thrones isn't exclusive to streaming, but so many people watched it that way. And, um, you know, now that I mean, I, I don't think an HBO Go or HBO Now, whatever they call it, just their streaming only service would exist if it wasn't for Game of Thrones. Like there were, I mean, well, obviously in the state and age with Netflix and all that, sure. But I think just the push of people subscribing to it, um, and those who subscribe and don't use other people's logins, um, you know, I, I think that it, it definitely changed the game and, and said that, hey, yeah, you could have a show like this and people will pay for it to see, so. We'll see how it all ends. We'll be talking about that next week for sure, as well as some other things, I'm sure. So let's wrap it up there, guys. Uh, don't forget you can follow me on Twitter at Mark Turk. That's M-A-R-K-T-U-R-C. Uh, don't forget also, you can um, uh, email me, theenthuselife at gmail.com. And of course, again, big thanks to our sponsor, GamerGoo. GamerGoo, don't forget, use my code TEL, T-E-L, to save yourself 10% off any order there. Go to GamerGoo.com. And also, you can check out a... Uh, free sample over there check out the info down in the show notes you can find all the links and all that stuff down there 
And don't forget whatever podcast service you're listening on, please like and review. Whatever you can do on that service, do that. It helps move the show up the ranks and get us out there to more and more listeners. So everybody, thank you here as always for tuning into the show and making me a part of your week. However you're tuning in, whether it's through iTunes, through Podbean, or your podcast service of choice, I appreciate it. And with that, we'll catch you next week. Later. Later.